You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's Word today. Well, good morning. So, uh, you know, last week I was, we have been talking about Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's taken from Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, and it comes from the Hebrew word El Emanu, which means God with us. And how last week I talked to you a little bit about what that means and that God is with us even in our grief, even in our hardship, even in our difficulty, even in our trials. God is with us. He has not left us alone. And for those who have lost someone or lost something, sometimes the holidays can be particularly painful. They can be very hard on your heart, uh, very hard on your emotions. Uh, The encouragement from last week is that the Lord has not left you alone but he's right there with you as you go through it. And having someone there with you is, is helpful when you go through something. And it's, at the holidays, it's especially wonderful to have people present, isn't it? Like this morning is all the more special because you're here today, and God's here today, and we're sharing this moment together. And Christmas is tomorrow, which I'm sure you know, but many of you will travel to visit family and friends to visit and celebrate Christmas with them. Uh, you'll probably sit down to dinner. You'll sit down to games. You'll sit down to conversation and fun traditions that your family does. And it'll be a fun and joyous time together. But there are years where sometimes not everyone can make it. Years where sometimes people can't show up to Christmas. And it's really not the same to have Christmas without you or without that person that's present among you. It's, it's so much more special when they're there, but when they're not there, it's, it's not quite the same, is it? Those of you who are empty nesters who have grown children with families of their own, you know that there's some years they can't make it, and those years are tough because you're like, I just wish that they would be here. Now, sure, you can have a phone call or a vi- video call, but you'll agree that a phone call and a video call is not the same as being there. You can't taste food through a video call, can you? Right? You can't have, you know, can't have cannoli and S cookies and uh, those traditional favorites that, like, you know, when someone bakes, you know, you can only have those foods that mom or grandma makes. You can't have that through a phone. You can't taste it. You can't smell it through the phone. So, like, you're missing out on that, just that wonderful food-tasting experience that is the holidays. You also can't hug someone through a phone. You know that? It's like there's something about it. It's, it's good seeing someone. It's good hearing their voice. But, man, it's so great to be able to just open that door and see that familiar face and just laugh and give that person a big hug. You can't replicate that through a phone call. So something about being there is so much more special. When you're present, when they're present, you enjoy their company, and life moments are shared, and joy is experienced. There's something about being present that makes the moment more meaningful and more special. To be present is to be tangible. To be present is for something to be meaningful. To be present, when someone's present, there is joy, there is fellowship, there is friendship. Now, I want you to keep this in mind as we go into our scripture verse today. And if you don't happen to have a Bible, that's okay. We have it on the screen behind us. We hope that you'll follow along with us. 
But Christmas is the season of Advent. We light the Advent wreath. We celebrate the story of Jesus. And Advent helps us to remember the time where Jesus came the first time as a little baby. And it helps us to look forward to the time where he will come again. Now, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 13, we'll take a look at this together. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and his life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not understand it. There was a man sent from God. His name was John. This man came as a witness to bear witness to the light that through him all might believe. He was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of that light that the true light, which gives light to every man, was now coming into the world. He, meaning Jesus, was in the world, and the world, though the world was made through him, and the world did not know him, he came to his own, and to his own, they did not receive him. But I want you to notice these two verses. And these are really important as we get to these next few ones. But as many who has received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelled among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That he became flesh, or he became human, and dwelt among us. The word, it says, the living word of God became flesh. Jesus came and dwelt among us. Now, it's important to note that Jesus didn't just come to preach and teach, although that's Primarily what he did, that was not the only reason why he came. He came and he lived among his people. He didn't just live among them. He didn't just show up once in a while to preach and teach and then disappear with an entourage or go hide in a house somewhere. But he lived among them. He cared about the people he was around. And Jesus allowed for divine interruptions. Now, divine interruptions are times where life is going in one way and you're really busy, but God interrupts your busyness because he wants to do something or he wants to say something or he wants to use you in some way. I'll have you notice this, is that if you read the story of the life of Jesus, you'll notice that he was never too busy to show compassion or God's love for someone else. Let me give you some examples. Jesus was, there was no one more busy than Jesus. I'll just go ahead and say that. And I'm glad that you're here today. It's wonderful to see you. Sometimes people won't come to church because they say, I'm really too busy. But when you look at, there was really no one more busy than Jesus. But yet in spite of this, he found time to allow people to interrupt his life and he took time for them. Let me give you some examples. In Luke chapter 17, there were 10 lepers who came to Jesus and said, Jesus, heal us. We need to be healed. And Jesus healed all 10 of them. But only one came back and said thank you to Jesus. 
In Matthew 20, there were two blind men on the side of the road, and Jesus would often come into a town, and there'd be crowds around him, and they'd be walking through the streets together, and there'd be five and six people deep all around him. And these two blind men heard that Jesus was coming, and so they start yelling. They said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. And you know what the compassionate crowd said to them as they started shouting? They said, be quiet. He's too busy for you. Be quiet. Don't, don't, he doesn't have time for you. But it says that Jesus stopped and told them to come to him right where he was. And then all of a sudden, the people that were telling them to be quiet were like, hey, good news. He, he wants you to come near. And they brought him close to him. Funny how people can be sometimes. And Jesus healed these two blind men. In Mark chapter 5, the woman with a chronic bleeding problem pushes through the crowd and touches the hem of Jesus' garment and is healed. And Jesus recognizes that this happens and he takes time for her. He doesn't scold her. He doesn't correct her. He takes time to show compassion towards her and commend her for her faith. In Mark chapter 2, four friends have a paralytic friend that they're taking to Jesus, but they can't get into the house. And so Jesus is teaching in someone's house. And as he's teaching in someone's house, these four friends say, well, we can't get through the front door. We can't get through the window. Let's go up to the roof, and let's tear open the roof and lower our friend down in front of Jesus. By the way, I don't recommend doing that at Michelle's house if you're going for refreshments after service. You know, as great as it is to have somebody there, you probably don't want your house destroyed to be able to have someone come and see Jesus. But Jesus wasn't bothered by the fact that his teaching was interrupted. He wasn't troubled by the fact that there's this kind of uh, chaotic scene going around him. Instead, he stops what he's doing, and he heals the paralytic man, much to the joy and delight of his friends. Jesus always stopped what he was doing to help and heal In fact, one time in Luke 18, Jesus' disciples shooed away some little children because uh, parents wanted to bring their children to Jesus and have him bless them. And and the disciples who kind of were like almost serving as the filter and the bodyguards, they're like, Jesus doesn't have time for that. You know, send these children away. And Jesus stops and goes, actually, wait a minute. Bring the little children to me and do not hinder them. For such as theirs is the kingdom of God. And it says that Jesus took these little children on his lap, set them on his lap, and he laid his hands on them and blessed them. That's the kind of Jesus that was present in the world. This is what it means when John said the word became human and dwelt among them. Here's a powerful thought. In John 1, it says Jesus is the word that became man. Jesus, the word for uh, the, the word there is the Greek word logos which means the living word. He is the word of God personified. He's the living embodiment of God the Father. And the expression of the living word, I want you to get this too, was love, compassion, and truth. He was present and actively involved and engaging in showing God's love to man. Why then, and I want us to think about this as Christians, why then is the living word of God often used to rebuke, to create division, to make difficulty, to communicate hate. That is not the purpose of the living Logos. My challenge for us today is that we would see the Word of God as living and active like Jesus was 
to show compassion to people that need it so that they can encounter who God is. Sometimes Christians can be the most blunt, rude, and uncaring people. No one here in this audience, of course. But I'm just saying I've heard. And sometimes that happens. But what would happen if we really took the word to heart and let Christ's word dwell in us richly so we could help them? To the hurting, Jesus was fully engaged with them. And when they came to him and told them his, their story, Jesus didn't shut them down and said, I already know because he's omniscient. He sat and listened to their story anyway. Think about that. Like, he knows what's going on with the person that's sitting across from him. He knows what their sickness is. He knows what their infirmity is. He knows what their trouble is. And yet, he sits, listens carefully to them, and heals them and encourages them through his words. He was fully engaged in the moment and paid attention to them. He was fully engaged in what he was doing. Can I challenge you today, church, when you gather together with friends and family, can I encourage you to be fully present there? Teenagers, can I encourage you to put the phone down and be fully present? Little kids, can I encourage you to? Mom and dad, even though sometimes the iPad is a pacifier when they're restless, can I encourage you for a minute? Set it down and be fully engaged in the moment, fully there for one another, because in those moments, encouragement happens. In those moments, healing happens. In those moments, love happens when we are fully engaged and present for one another. Another thing about Jesus is that he actively pointed people to God. Each opportunity that he had, he communicated a truth about God the Father or communicated a truth about the kingdom of heaven or even salvation. You see, he didn't just meet a physical or emotional need. He met a spiritual need. Jesus was intentional about how he interacted with people. It was his mission to show others the way to the Father in heaven. My question for us today, as we go into Christmas, as we go into our family gatherings, is are you being intentional about meeting a person's spiritual need? And are you intentional about directing and pointing people to Jesus? I'm not talking about you standing up at the dinner table and telling everyone how wrong they are or how they should vote or like what they're doing with their life and being critical of that. I'm challenging you, can you be someone that meets a spiritual need in someone's life and then direct people to Jesus when they say, oh, you're so nice, and they're crying, to just let them know why you're so nice. Let them know why you're doing that. It's because you genuinely love them and that Jesus genuinely loves them too. The incarnation is when Jesus came in human form and dwelled among us. Salvation is when Christ comes to live in us by the Holy Spirit and by his word and being known in our minds and being lived out in our hearts. When Jesus is an active part of your life, people will see Jesus in you. Ephesians 3.17 says to let Christ dwell in your hearts richly through what? Faith. In other words, let Jesus be living, active, and visible through you by the way that you believe and the way that you live. Without faith in Jesus, his words are just print on a page. Without faith in Jesus, it's just another, uh, another philosophy, another religion. But through faith, it is the power of God unto salvation. 
when Christ is made visible through our words and actions that glorify God, then it points people to Jesus. Now, we should know that Jesus is alive, physically resurrected from the dead at the right hand of the Father in heaven, but he also needs to be made alive in us to those who don't know him. And that only happens is, is if Jesus is living and active in us through our words, through our love, and through our deeds. I want to encourage you today on this Christmas Eve morning, be Jesus among the people you know and be his representative. I would challenge you today that as you go to dinner with family, that you're not going by yourself. And I'm not just talking about your, your, your friends and your family that's with you, but have you thought about the fact that when you go, Jesus is right there with you. Make sure you include him. Maybe not pass him the potatoes or anything, but acknowledge him in the room. Do you understand what I'm saying today? Is to make sure that Jesus is known, not in an annoying way, but in a real way, as I've said so often, and it should almost be a bumper sticker for our church. Don't be an obnoxious Christian. Just be an obvious one. Be one that other people recognize, and they go, you know, I just love that person. Do you know people that, that bring joy into the room when they come? Like, how many Christians are like that? I love people that are just living life exuberantly, that when they see me, like, their hugs are big, their smile is genuine, their love is sincere, and their laugh is infectious. What a thing to have in a friend. Are we that kind of friend? Uh, would we see people with the same joy that Jesus would see? Would we take time with the same amount of concern and care that Jesus would take? Allow for divine interruptions this weekend. Don't look at them as an annoyance, but look at them as an opportunity to share the love of Jesus. Yes, the holidays are busy, but you're not too busy for someone else to show them that you care. So as I wrap this up, what should we do this Christmas? Well, let's take some advice from Jesus. Number one, allow for divine interruptions. You know, when, some, when an elderly person wants to sit and talk to you about something and maybe they've already said it, amen? Show love to them anyway. If a little child wants to come to you and they want to tell you about the latest thing, Minecraft thing that they made that's so amazing, can, you, can I encourage you to be interested in what they're saying? When that, that familiar family member that seems to always have life problems and you seem to be the only one that wants to listen to them but you get tired because they keep on bringing up the same thing over and over again, can I encourage you to be the one that actually listens even if you've heard it all before because by doing so, you are showing love and compassion and you are being Christ to them and find a way to encourage them. Listen, Jesus can help you with that. Listen, can I pray for you? So often we're afraid to do that. But if you're worried about what they think about you anyway, they're not gonna, if they don't like you, they're not going to like your Jesus anyway. So you've got nothing to lose by sharing love and sharing compassion with them and talking about Jesus. So allow for divine interruption. Secondly, be fully present and engaged in their story, even if you've heard it before. And thirdly, point people to God. 
But can I tell you that pointing people to God is very difficult if you don't know God yourself. It's like giving advice you haven't tried. Have you met friends like that? They talk about the latest thing that, you know, hey, you have a health problem? Have you tried this latest supplement? Or this latest tea? Or this latest treatment? Have you done it? No, but I've heard. And when you hear it secondhand, you're like, well, why are you telling me about something that you haven't done? I would much rather hear about something that worked for you. Or maybe have you been introduced by someone that you really didn't know you? You know, you need to know Jesus to experience God's love, grace, power, and salvation. John 1, if we look at verses 12 and 13 again, this is really important. It says, to those who believed in him, in other words, who believed in Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. Verses 12 and 13, he says, For as many who received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. If you don't know Jesus as Savior, God is your creator, but he's not your father. And the reason why that is is because we are estranged from him because of sin. If you doubt what I'm saying, read the first few verses of chapter 1 in John again. It says, he came to his own, and his own did not know him. They did not recognize him. To be a Christian doesn't mean you go to a church. To be a Christian means that you're a follower of Jesus, not an occasional follower of Jesus, not just a once or twice a year follower of Jesus, but an every day of the year follower of Jesus. You know, salvation comes by faith and confession alone. When you confess Christ in true repentance and follow him, then you become a child of God. And only children enjoy the inheritance. Uh, Let me give an example from life. When a wealthy person dies, their inheritance goes to their children, right? Or their spouse, It doesn't go to neighbors or acquaintances or people loosely associated with them unless those people are kind of close like family and they don't have any other family. But usually an inheritance goes to family. The book of Hebrews chapter 9 verses 16 and 17 says that a will is only put into effect when someone dies. And when Christ died, he left to those who believe in him an eternal inheritance. He wrote a will, and then in his resurrection carried out the execution of that will for those who believe. So for the believer, for the Christian, their inheritance is heaven. Your inheritance is eternal life, but it can only be given to those who are actually counted as children. It's like if if a wealthy person died and then a stranger off the street tried to sneak into that will reading and said, well, I'm a son too, I'm a daughter too. And they say, well, wait a minute. First of all, you don't have the same last name. You don't have the same DNA. And we don't even know who you are, so you have no claim to the inheritance. Only those who are children of God can claim the inheritance of heaven. These are people that God knows because they have believing faith in Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 22, a very sobering verse Then in that day, many would come to Jesus and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons and perform miracles in your name? And it says, Jesus will say to them some very chilling words. He'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. 
Now, this is not about, when I say that God, whether God knows you or not, understand God's omnipotent and omniscient. He knows everything. But there's a difference between knowing you and being in fellowship, okay? So I can know you from a distance and across the room. We have a wonderful church here. I know a lot of you by name, but I don't know you like well, well in some cases. Some of you I know more well than I would like to, honestly. (laughs) Kidding. You know I love you. Listen, okay, I grew up Italian, and anyone who's Italian in the room understands that if we make fun of you, we love you. That's just how, that's one of our, that's our, uh, you know, sixth love language. It's sarcasm. That's how we show you. If we don't make fun of you, then we probably don't like you very much. I know it's backwards. Jesus help. But, you know, so, but if you're not part of the family, then you cannot enjoy the inheritance. Um, It's one thing for God to know you and know who you are. It's what he's talking about is, is he in fellowship with you? Can he count you as a person of faith? Are you a person that is part of the family of God? And if you don't, then he doesn't really know you. You can know a lot about God. Even some theologians aren't even Christians. But you can know a lot about God and not be in fellowship with Christ. Those in fellowship are part of the family of believers and are God's children, his sons and daughters through confession of faith. They receive the inheritance of eternal life. How much does God love you? He loves you so much that he chose for you to be here today. You thought that you were here because so-and-so asked you. You thought that you were, be- you were here because, um, you know, this is the thing that you do on Christmas. He chose for you to be here today in his divine providence and his awesome will. He chose for you to be here to hear this message, to give you an opportunity to hear the gospel and be given a chance to believe. 2 Peter 3.9 says this, is that God is not willing that anyone should perish, but that all would come to repentance and believe. The whole reason that Jesus came and dwelled on this earth as human is so that we could be saved. And he is present here today by the Holy Spirit so that you might believe. And so with no one looking around, if we could just bow our heads in just a, a sacred moment between us and God. You know, so often this is a busy season and we don't take time to pray. But it's in this season that Christ is closest to us. It, it, the, his songs are on the radio. His words are on social media. Uh, everywhere we turn, we're seeing even images of the nativity or pictures of Jesus. So it's right and fitting that we would take a moment to pray and reflect and think. So how do you become a Christian? How do you become saved? Well, first and foremost, believe the message of the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is the story of Jesus coming to this world and dying on a cross for our sins and then rising again to to, to be living and active, to be at the right hand of the Father. That's the message of the gospel. Jesus says, whoever believes in the Son will have life. So if you believe that message, you're on the right track. The second part of this is to repent and turn away from sin. I'm not talking about you do bad things. I'm just talking about that you've lived your life apart from God, and now today you say to yourself, I want to live for God. And so God, forgive me for the way that I lived before, and now I want to live for you now. So Believe the message of the gospel. Repent and turn away from sin. And thirdly, confess Christ as Savior and follow him. Not just on the holidays, 
but every day. And so this morning, I wonder with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, is there someone today that says, you know, I know that God knows me, but I want to know God in a deeper way. I want to be able to be a Christian today. I want to be a child of God and receive the inheritance of heaven that God has for everyone who believes. If today you can't say with confidence that you are a child of God believing in faith, then today you should be the one that raises your hand and say, today I choose to follow Jesus. And if that's where you're at today, on this beautiful Christmas Eve morning, as we get ready to spend time with family and friends and celebrate the very day in which Jesus came to bring this to you, I have to ask you that question. Will you, without hesitation, with boldness and confidence, say, that's me, I need Jesus today? If you've never done that before, but you want to this morning, would you raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me, I want to pray with you today. That's where I'm at. Pastor, it's me, I choose to follow Jesus. Not just one day, but every day. Today, I wanna follow you. This morning, if you've prayed that prayer before and you are a Christian and and maybe God's speaking to your heart today about following him more closely, being in fellowship with him, not just occasionally, but on a regular basis, if he's speaking to your heart today, and you say, Pastor, pray for me. Will you just raise your hand this morning and say, pray for me. I need to do a better job of that. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else this morning? And you just slip that up and put that back down. Then let's pray that God will help us do just that. We follow him because he loves us. We follow him because he is for us and that he will walk with us. This morning, if you choose to follow him today, know that he, we're not doing it because we have to. We're doing it because we love him and because of what he's already done for us. So may God call us to a greater uh, fidelity and faith in him. So Father, we just pray today. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for each person that's here. We thank you for your message of compassion and Lord, what you did for us on the cross. And Lord, we believe today that you died and rose again so that we might have life eternal. And I pray for each of us here that call you our Savior and our Lord. Help us to follow closely with you. And if we fall, help us to get back up and try again. Help us to love you with as much devotion and uh, passion and confidence as you have for us because you gave your life for us. Help us to love others that way. And Lord, I pray as we gather together with family and friends, help us to be Jesus' love extended around the dinner table or in people's homes, not in a way that would be awkward or difficult, but in a loving and compassionate and kind way. May you be glorified in this Christmas season, we pray. Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us Sunday mornings to worship with us. We are located at 267 College Highway in Southwick, Massachusetts. For more information about Living Hope Church, visit us online at www.livinghopechurchag.org.